Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. And welcome to this edition of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we're talking CinemaCon tonight. Uh, Glad to have all of you here. If you are with us live, we are broadcasting to four, count them, four, four different video platforms. We are... Uh, sending out to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, and Twitch. So pick your poison. You can be on any of those. The live chats are open all of those places. Uh, if you are here not live, you can still leave a comment or you can send an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. And uh, we, will, we will do that. And uh, we do read all of the comments, all of the emails, all that good stuff. So how you doing, sir? Um, well, as as you and I were discussing before we started recording, and as uh, age is age is a thing. Um, yes, very much. I pulled so. something in my I pulled something in my back up by my shoulder uh, sometime on the Saturday, and so I've just been dealing with these twinges of, of very sharp pain, like right at my shoulder blade, yeah. uh, depending on what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. Other than that, other than that, I'm fine. I've got. A lot of things I'm I'm trying to get done this week, but it's like productive stuff. So yeah. it's like, you know, okay. Well, I managed um, like, I managed to survive potential heat stroke on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I have found my mechanical pencil I've been looking for for two weeks. Um, however, I do have a monitor that's down, so I'm only on four monitors tonight, and I'm very much feeling uh, a little lame. Uh, so you know. And, and by lame, not disappointing lame. Lame as in, I got a I got a bum leg. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just, limping along I'm just with four it, monitors. Let it go. Let it slide right past. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I think it's a cable. I don't think it's the monitor itself. I think it's a cable because it just it just poop done. And yeah. I was like, wait a minute, no! Right before we were getting ready for for today's show over on uh, Live from the Bunker, so. Well, fingers crossed, because cables are generally cheaper than monitors. The monitors yeah. are not as a, a remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 honestly, folks, it, it's uh, this might sound like another one of those. But I was a boy. It wasn't that long ago, really. Yeah. Where getting a replacement monitor or a big monitor for your lap, you know, external monitor for your laptop or something like that, was a really expensive proposition. Um, and so much of that stuff has just crashed down. If you if you are of a certain age and you watched just the incredible growth of of you know the computer technology from like the nineteen late eighties on, mm-hmm. um, which is not that again, it's really folks, it's not that long ago. No, um, in the grand scheme of things, but. Um, the the cost of so much of this stuff was so much more expensive, which is you know how, how all this stuff works, but it's just kind of amazing that now it's like, 
my monitor's out. What am I going to do? I've got to like not pay rent to go yeah, buy a monitor. Right. And now it's just like, uh, just head on down to Walmart. Um, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if they would accept some of my potatoes as trade. Because I've got quite a few potatoes coming in. I, I've been I've been rather pleased with myself. I have uh, I have potatoes coming up in, in both the ground and in the tanks. I've probably got a good sixty plants back there. Yeah. You know, so I'm no, not that many. Um thirty maybe, thirty five, something like that. Well you could your so, you know, potato batteries you can you can offer to decrease their electric bill by can running. Do that. Yeah, I can distill vodka. <laughs> Build them up. There we go. See, <laughs> yeah. you got you got you got options. You got potential things you could work with. I, sure. I should probably look at where the still would go uh, somewhere in the back forty, and maybe maybe you know it's got to be camouflaged from the revenues, and uh, <laughs> just you know take some of my potatoes and go make some vodka. Uh, well, yeah. you know, I, I saw I saw that the Pinkertons are still active. So, mm -hmm, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, civil unrest and societal collapse. We got to have we got to have options, right? So you know, uh, sure. vodka mm -hmm. vodka will make some good trade goods, I guess. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyway, I am proud of those potatoes. This is the fourth time that I've made the attempt to grow potatoes, and I've actually got potatoes coming up out of the ground. So we'll see. Go. We'll see what the yield is going to be. Right yeah. now, it looks promising. But and yes, the garlic is coming in great. So we got garlic and we got tomatoes, we got potatoes, we got onions. Um, I'm not seeing anything with the uh, carrots and celery, or not carrots, uh, uh, ca carrots and lettuce. We don't have any celery back there. Maybe we should think about that. Why would you grow celery? It's it's green water. It's green crisp water. There's there, no nutritional value to the stuff. There is there is a rabbit back there. And I could give them the 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 celery, and well, you know, I don't have a, I don't <laughs> celery for Bloody Marys. I don't know. We don't we don't have anything else for Bloody Marys. I mean, if you but... chop it up and you put it in like gumbo, well, you could do gumbo. You stick, you know, some people eat it in a salad. Uh, when I was a kid, but they're, but, they, but they're weird people I, who, who uh, need well, not be encouraged. When I was a kid, it was a frequent snack at the house to have celery sticks with, uh, with butter. Cream, cream cheese in it. Mm, no, so it, for, in my house, it was it was celery and peanut butter, and I like the peanut butter, but it's like, why why are you inflicting this celery upon me, mother? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> So that's so that's what's going on. All right. So um, <clears throat> so as I mentioned today, uh, we were talking on uh, live from the bunker today. I was talking to Paul to get Paul to Garabedian from Comscore. He's a senior media analyst there, and he was at CinemaCon in Las Vegas, which sure. is the annual event. It is the annual gathering of movie theater chain ownership and management. Where the studios come in and they make their big presentations, and if if you are familiar with the term the network upfronts, for those of you mm. who have heard of those, this is kind of the same thing. Now, on the television side of things, the network upfronts 
are presentations that are done by the networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, CW, uh, Fox, and whoever. And they sit there and say, look at all of these new great shows that we've got coming. And look at all these shows that are coming back. And this is all of this stuff. And please give us your advertising money. It's a, it's a basically, it's a big pitch to potential advertisers to, you know, buy ads on that particular network. Here are all these shows. Well, for the movie side of things, CinemaCon is essentially the same thing. Here's all of this great stuff that we're rolling out this year coming to theaters, and we want your theater to book our movie, which is essentially what it is. It's the sales pitch that the studios make to right. AMC Theaters, Regal, uh, Cinemark, whatever the surviving movie theater chains are at this point. And, you know, we get announcements, we get news, we get casting rumors, and, and, you know, footage gets screened, and, hey, we saw a clip of this, we saw a trailer for this, whatever. The Oppenheimer trailer that got released yesterday, the three-minute video that's out now, that was screened along with other footage from the film. Uh, And Paul says that uh, uh, Cillian Murphy is a dead ringer for Oppenheimer. Oh, this is a f- I, I, fantastic this is, film. So. This, is a, this is a historical picture I am looking forward to watching. Mm-hmm. Um, first yeah. of all, I mean, the story itself, uh, if, if you've you know, ever just read into the history of the, the creation of the atomic bomb and, and all the personalities going on uh, and just everything that was happening there is just fascinating on its own. But... This looks. I, I'm a. I'm a fan of of the time period in terms of like a big film noir fan. So I mean, the visual texture of this movie just really appeals to me. But it just looks really, really good. I'm. Yeah. This is a. And I don't get. It depends. Historical pictures are real hit and miss with me. I love. I love history. I love reading about history. But I'm also one of those people who can get really kind of low-key or large-key irritated at wild historical inaccuracy. Like Titanic? <laughs> oh, yeah. T- yeah, Titanic literally ticked me off. I mean, uh, but, um, I mean, it's impressive. Uh, it's one of those things where you, you know, I can look at Titanic and just, I can appreciate the skill mm-hmm. and, and technique and all of these things, while the film made me angry for how just how how everything about that movie was impossible. Oh, yeah, um, I hate that film. I, I mean, again, if you're a fan of the movie, great. It, it is a hugely popular film. Not everything appeals to everybody. It's okay. I admire but, the technical achievement. And when right, I was talking, I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine at the time, and she was like, you know, it's it's worth the price of admission just to see the boat sink at the end. And it, yeah, it, there, but there are moments when when the CGI in that film is so laughably bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, but anyway, like yeah, I said, anyway. if you're a fan of the movie, and again, I know people who love the film, and that's fine. And sometimes films hit us in emotional ways that stick in ways that it don't hit for other people. That's fine. But um, this is one I'm looking forward to. I'm, I am too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Oppenheimer. That's that's a film I I can cheerfully say that I'm excited about watching. The um, the other one. Uh, that I'm I'm hearing about, and this I think this was the first I'd heard about it coming out of CinemaCon, and I'm not quite sure. Well, I know how I feel about it, but uh, apparently Rihanna is 
making music for and starring in Smurfs, the new Smurfs movie. She is going to play Smurfette. And when I heard this, I thought, okay, it's it's animation, it's a voice, that's fine, whatever. But why are we getting another Smurfs movie? Who asked for another Smurfs movie? You know, the first one apparently made money. Well, see, and and the, my next question on that is, is this going to be straight-up animation, or is it going to be another an- animation live-action hybrid like the ones with Neil Patrick Harris? Because those are dumb. As, as much as I can sit there and, you know, pat Tom Kane on the back for playing narrator Smurf, it, it's a dumb movie. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I'm... The Smurfs have, when you consider the fact that these little blue creatures have been popular for as many decades as they have been. I mean, I don't care about the Smurfs. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't something that appealed to me, but I, I remember the cartoon. Yeah. Oh, I you do know, too. And, and, and so this stuff, this stuff has an audience, and it's just not clear, clearly it's not us, and that's fine. I mean, if we if we had young kids right now, mm-hmm. maybe there'd be something that you know would would be appealing. Um, but you know, and again, we can we come back to things that not everything is for everybody, and that's uh, sometimes you're not the target audience, and that's okay, right? Uh, Mimi Cass says, the only thing that made the Titanic movie good was the soundtrack, the music. Made it move along as far as the movie itself was once was uh, more than enough. Once was more than enough. Yeah. It, it's, it has a great soundtrack uh, that I would, I would agree there. Uh, a lot of talent involved. Again, it look, there's large portions of that film look amazing. Um, it's just, my problem is, is that we did that historical thing where, the romance at the core of the story is literally impossible. Yeah. In the context of the time. I mean it it looks great and it's and it's fine, but yeah, no. Add to that the whole thing about, you know, it didn't happen. Billy Zane would have <laughs> pitched DiCaprio over the side and everyone would have sat there and gone, All right. And it, then... ha- have you seen have you seen nineteen twenty three? The series with Harrison Ford and Her- uh, Helen Mirren. I have not. I you, have not. I you, ne- you need to watch that. There is there is a scene on a steamer boat that I think you'll appreciate after after having heard you just say what you just said. Okay, because I mean, there's there's a uh, uh, yeah yeah. I mean, I, I highly recommend 1923. It's an excellent. I've heard series. good things about it. It's very good. It's very good. I've heard. I've also. You know, the, apparently it's a good thing we're getting a Yellowstone, another Yellowstone spinoff because the main show is coming to an end because, yeah, stuff, stuff, all kinds of stuff. Making a TV show, guys, making a TV show is hard. When you hear about things that are, um, you know, trouble on set or people having issues, it's a lot of hard work. It's long days, <clears throat> and one of the reasons that we are we're having. You know, you, you see all these shows grinding to a halt, film production grinding to a halt because the writer isn't on set. Um, it's because you make a film three times. We've talked about this in, a few times in the past. When you write it, when you shoot it, and when you edit it, and all three of those are writing jobs. 
Um, and there are, there are, I'm not going to say there aren't times you don't want the writer on set of the original material. Yeah. If it's an adaptation, uh, that can be a problem sometimes, but writing, writing happens throughout the process. And especially on TV shows, there's so many TV writers who have sat there and they show up on the day and something happens and something has to be rewritten. Well, I mean, you look at, was it, is it Rings of Power or House of the Dragon? One of them is they're both continuing in production. And of Rings of Power two. is doing it without showrunners. Okay, it's so Rings of Power. That's the one. And if and and we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. But I'm going to tell you that in my personal opinion, that is a that is a self defeating move. Yeah, it's it's because, it's a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, you. I'm not saying you can't make it work. Maybe maybe they have got a really I just super amazing plan and they are, but I'm, I yeah. just working on, I mean, I make short films and just being on a short film set, the number of times when you are the writer and director mm -hmm. and you've got to pivot from what you planned because yep. something happened yep. and it's something as simple as the light is wrong and you have to readjust Sometimes that means a rewritable line. And if you can't do that on set as you're going along, that makes your job so much harder. Because I got news, folks. There's somebody, if 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 my fears for that are correct, they may not have used the words, but somebody on that set is thinking, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> right. And Well, and now that, that assumes... That the post-production unions don't walk out because the Directors Guild and the SAG, after right. people, those are next. And the Producers Guild is right up in there. And and this, this could have such long-term effect. Sure. Not just well, on the writer's side, but if what, what happens in the next three months, all the unions go on strike. All of them. Oh. I don't think they all will. This is this is my and I, I'm because I'm, a lot of times what ends up happening is that with the writers, it puts the other, you know, guilds and unions into a position, a better bargaining position. Right. Yeah. Uh, because the writer is already going through it. And as somebody who I don't get paid to be a writer, um, but am a writer. Whether or not I'm a good one is. A matter of opinion but the fact is is that writers in hollywood in the entertainment industry actually are underpaid i i would i would see that argument can be made um Mo I, you know, a lot of most it, most writers there are some writers who have get amazingly huge paychecks yeah and, and most again writers. a lot of it is what can you negotiate for and mm -hmm. <clears throat> this attitude, and, and I agree, the writer is more important than the studio system would have you would have you believe. Vastly, um, <laughs> but also, you know, you have so many different moving parts in the machine to make this thing oh, sure. happen. So, you know, it's all it's all a matter of checks and balances. What can you, what can you what can you get in your contract? But this this notion of uh, you know, like you say, the other the other unions kind of get a little bit better deal because the Writers Guild takes the takes the first line of arrows. Just from what I'm seeing, 
from people like Fran Drescher and uh, whoever's in charge of the of the Directors Guild, the producers, it really does sound like they're all kind of I, look, kind of leaning into you know this this could be everybody. I don't know that everybody will go and and get on strike, but when you've got people in the in the Directors Guild and SAG that are walking the the picket lines mm-hmm, with writers. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's also the real risk here that you've look at all the missteps that Warner Brothers Discovery made. Yeah. And all the different ways that they ticked off the talent. And whether that's, you know, writing off and, you know, feature films that have been, you know, that are done um, or that canceling this series or pulling, pulling shows out of, you know, off the air that, you know, so the, the residuals don't happen. I mean, the, the, there's a, you are correct. There's a very good argument to be made for all of these folks going, okay. Yeah. I would, I would like to register a complete. <laughs> so we're going to send you a very sternly worded letter. Now let's, let's do this. Let's put a pin in this because you mentioned Warner yeah. brothers. That gives me, that gives me a chance to pivot us back to the flash sure. and we could talk about the strike stuff. Cause it'll go on for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we'll, um, we'll, we'll have a reason to come back to it. I'm, I'm sure. And like I've said before, these stories play out. There's another shoe that's hanging ready to drop and there will be further developments and we'll be talking about that. But I want to talk about the flash for a second. Cause we talked about this with Paul today. Mm-hmm. And he says it's a very good movie, and it's, I think Warner Brothers is being smart about highlighting Michael Keaton as Batman more than Ezra Miller as The Flash. Mm-hmm. I think Paul's right that a lot of the normal people out there uh, may not be aware or might not care as much about Ezra Miller's personal situation offset. Uh, mm-hmm. As much as those of us who are in this industry who are, who have been covering all of this and paying attention to all of this nonsense, you know, there are a lot of people in that in that circle who said they're going. Nope, Ezra Miller's still in it. I'm not going to go see it. You know, Amber Heard is still in Aquaman too. I'm not going to go see it. Um, so you know, the 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 reactions coming out of CinemaCon because the Flash screened, uh, and I'm hearing it wasn't complete. Because there's an ending apparently that wasn't there yet, because they don't want to give away something. There's a there's sure. a reveal at the mm-hmm. end. Now right. I have I have read a synopsis that's out there online, and it sounds pretty much like what everybody is expecting this movie to be. But I don't know I don't know that this movie is going to succeed where it needs to succeed as much as it needs to succeed. Um, um I I don't know. I, so what's interesting here is that in many ways, this is the last Snyderverse movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to factor into it because people are sitting there going, well, it's getting a reset anyway, so why should I bother? Yeah, and I think, I think again, we come back to what percentage of the audience out there is actually following along with any of this. Mm-hmm. Versus the folks who just go to the movies because it's a superhero movie and they saw this, they saw the Flash before and they liked the thing and they oh look it's Michael Keaton from Batman eighty nine I I remember when I was in, I got to go see you know there's a lot of different things so again remember the Snyderverse superhero films for all the fact that they have a, a, a very passionate fan base were financial disappointments for the studios now. This is not to say they didn't make money, guys, because we're talking, you know, what a studio's disappointment level is, is like, 
I'm sorry. How much money did your movie make? And you're disappointed. Um, well, if you if you figure, okay, so more than likely, the numbers that I've been hearing for the Flash, as far as production budget, mm. uh, with everything that they had to do with reshoots and and additional footage and all these different things, right, to change this and change that and then change it back and then change. I'm hearing anywhere from 250 to 260 million dollars, 270 million dollars budget. Sure. Which means you have to probably look at 850, 900 just to break even because of all of the extra expenses with marketing and and and. Though I will that. say, I think their marketing is less for this than it might have been that so that they could might have be. saved some money on marketing that they normally would have spent i i, I don't know that for certain yeah, yeah that's my perception yeah um so i can't say that there and go aha it's only 75 percent. i have i don't know it just but feels like it's i'm i'm very doubtful that it's going to crack a billion and I think it needs to crack a billion in order to sit there and say, hey, it's a success. It's a it's a hit. But it's also another thing where there is no intention of making a sequel to this movie. Right. So right. there is so whether at, or not. At best, they have to get their costs back because, one, they were they stuck want. with it because it was already in production when, when the merger happened. Mm -hmm. And there's so much money sunk into it. They can't just write it off like they did with Batgirl. Right. They have and to I think, salvage. Yeah. This is a salvage operation at this point. And quite frankly, I mean, this is, look, I completely understand somebody not wanting to watch something because they are not a, they do not support the people who are in it or the actor that is the lead or, or something. I mean, this, look, we all make those decisions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's, sometimes that is very important to you. And sometimes it is not. So I, I have found that I am pretty good at separating the art from the artist I not there are some things that I'm like you know what no but most of the time I am yeah. so and and because of what we do here sometimes we watch stuff we would not normally watch anyway <laughs> yeah well and, and and sometimes see and that's and that's something that we've talked about before this idea of you know where that line is striking the balance between media professional and sure. and fan and regular folks and for us you're right it's there's there's a there's a balance that has to be struck and i've talked to paul about it today this idea that we, you know as media professionals who cover this stuff there's a certain amount of obligation that comes with it in that we, we cover this and so reviews, news articles, you know, those kind of things that we're going to be reporting on it. The, uh, the flip side of it is that we're more aware of all of the hanky-panky shenanigans that are going on behind the scenes and external, all this, like, like the John Q. public is not going to be aware of. They're not paying attention. So my thinking is that more than likely... Here in Kansas City, we will get a preview screening or two or three. They'll probably do it the same way they did with Dungeons & Dragons. You know, because Paramount put out, what, three different preview screenings, four different preview screenings for D&D, &D, which is unusual. 
but I can I can see that they want to get the word out that this is a really fun movie. It was a good movie. Hmm. Where I think they would probably maybe do the same thing with The Flash in order to generate buzz about Michael Keaton's Batman to get the interest up. So I would expect that we'll probably get one, maybe two screenings here, which means we could go see it for free and fulfill our obligation as media professionals and not have to put money in to Warner Brothers to support Ezra Miller. If that's your thing, you don't want to support Ezra Miller, okay, fine. Find a preview screening and do it that way. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a way to solve it for, for some folks, certainly. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, again, this is, is going to be... On an intel, I'm more concerned, or, or I guess, I'm more interested on an intellectual level of what's going to happen to this, just because it is the last film in a extended universe that is that is done. You kind of got Aquaman in there. I mean, you Aquaman do, but Aquaman, Aquaman, World was kind of yeah, a but it's, it's kind of adjacent. Yeah, not in the same way that, the, that this is, um, and. There's just, you know, I'm I, Miller's Ezra Miller's problems. Um, um, the last film in this, the fact that the the we're getting a f- essentially fresh slate, or 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 mostly fresh slate, because I guess there's still talk about bringing in some of these folks from in, into the later, you know, the later films and yeah. and the gun in James Gunn's version of of what's coming up. Um, but that's all intellectual stuff. I want to. I, I'm interested in seeing the movie for because the plot and Michael Keaton. And right now, that's going to be you know enough for now, I guess. Yeah. See, I've never been impressed with Flashpoint to begin with. Well, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's just it's a dark story that is a great uh, is is an okay Elseworlds. And it gave us the Thomas Wayne Batman, and that's the best thing that came out of it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. Now, uh, speaking of Aquaman, you, you heard you heard the latest about Amber Heard. I'm not not to be into the gossipy thing, but apparently, I, uh, apparently I guess not. She's been caught on camera in the UK defecating in the street. So there's that going into Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, and and Paul was right. These are a lot of unforced errors that Warner Brothers is having to deal with. And you I know, don't coming even... coming December when this movie comes out, I don't think it's going to hit a billion either. Well, but again, I think we're running. It's it, it it pretty much has. I mean, leaving aside, I don't. I could I literally do not care about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp in any appreciable way. Right. Just no, I, I don't. But even so, again, leaving all of that aside. Just like leaving anything about Ezra Miller aside, yeah. it's a series that is not getting a sequel. Yeah. What, been, did you see the poster? So the yeah, po- the poster the- is the posters. Well, I mean, okay, we've seen we've seen really dumb posters before, and then another poster comes out. There's still time before this movie to come out to I get know, something. But, that but for Aquaman's for Aquaman's poster at CinemaCon, this is the big sales pitch, right? This is the I hey, know, this is all going to be know. great. You get a poster that's nothing more than. A, a block of ice with the right? uh, with the title on it. I'm like, I know it's what? just yeah. What is this? I just uh, again, this is just a it's a we're, it's such a weird thing with these two movies. Yeah, that are they are the tail end of a thing that 
the studio has decided is not going forward. We don't, this doesn't happen very often, right? We don't see this because, you know, it, it, the whole big universe of interconnected movies that flows forward and all these things, TV and merchandise, all, that is a relatively recent thing. Mm-hmm. And so there is not a whole lot of other reference points for this. I mean, yes, there are certainly films that the studio's like, yes, we made it. We're going to put it out and it'll screen on six theaters and Boise. And, and then, you know, because we, we promised to release it and we're releasing it. And that has happened. And there's yeah. plenty of films that have sat on shelves for years and then rolled out. People were like, gosh, this movie would have been great four years ago when it was supposed to come out. And now it's just, you know, right. New Mutants is an example of that one, right? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even necessarily a great movie, but it would have probably done a lot better if it had come out when it was supposed to. Well, I mean, there's and, a lot of things like that, right? You know, you talk about you talk about marketing and that kind of thing. We had a news item over the weekend about the Doctor Who Blue Peter fan art competition, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then there was uh, there was something else. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. I want to say maybe it was maybe it was something related to Dune. Um, it might have been it might have been a Star Wars thing. Well, Star Wars has got new Build a Bear options coming out sure um but you know you have these these tie-in projects and there every now and again you get kind of a hint that one of the studios kind of sat there and went you know maybe we ought to promote our movie with this other thing and do this thing here and, you know, have some, have some marketing synergy like, like that. And every now and again, you get a little bit of that, but it still doesn't feel like they've figured it out, uh, what they need to do with this stuff to promote their movies. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) I think that we're in this strange period where the, the stuff that is coming out for the DC stuff is both we've got what two things that are that are part of the old guard and a couple things that are part of the new guard and it's just a weird it's a weird weird thing yeah I mean I am much more excited about Blue Beetle than I am about the Flash Aquaman yeah I and not I mean just because it looks like it I think I'm going to enjoy the movie based on the trailer. It looks like it's fun. And you know what? I will take fun over, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the starter versus Grimdark. I will take fun over Grimdark. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree. Uh, let me say hi to people in the chat real quick. Dave's over there in YouTube and Bianca over on Rumble. I uh, don't see anybody in the chats anyplace else, but that's okay. Um, one of the things that we got um, <clears throat> coming out of this <coughs> is uh, we've got you know the Blue Beetle the Blue Beetle movie, and there was some footage that got screened, and then DC announces a Blue Be- a new Blue Beetle comic book. Mm-hmm. That's hang on, you're going to hold on, you're going to promote the character in another medium why who's who what 
what's over what what are you doing over there? You know, well, you know, it's something it, that we've said needed to be done for how many years now? Well, it dove, it dovetails nicely with this thing that and I say this, but we've talked about that that new uh tie-in series they've got going on or coming up uh with nightmares and the DC characters and all these things, which has got way too many titles you need to you're supposed to be reading if you want it's 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 a wall of books. It's like, yeah. okay, guys, you mm. but one of the things that DC has been doing, and this works well with this kind of thing, and maybe this is part of the, the equation, is that they've been doing these six issue, twelve issue runs of a particular comic mm. and what they're basically doing is they're testing what the readers want to read and so that is, when you're doing something like this if you want to tie something into a movie so have it basically be hit the same time you got your film and and do that cross promotion and yeah. do that have that synergy there this works out really well the I'm not, timing how much how much of this was planned or just happened to line up or what, whatever the, the back behind the scenes stuff is, this is a good, this is a thing that could work really, really well and might be a model for doing this kind of thing. I'll, I'll but, say this. I, I'm not as convinced that this is, you know, short runs to test and see what the audience wants to see so much as it's, we got to do short runs because we keep having to cancel everything because nobody buys it. Well, except they're not canceling things at such a giant rate that that's something that you can really no but it's an ongoing thing i mean it's a well, continuous it's, been an, on, it's that, a continuous it's been an ongoing thing forever in the comic industry yeah, i mean but... so but the, but the thing is is that it also well, this is also a way to screw your um creative teams by yeah. the way yeah there's that uh, be, so there's that um because you if you're if you sign somebody up for a six issue run or a 12 issue run versus an ongoing series where they're like 36 50 issues or whatever you're paying them less yeah. so but i mean i for for interestingly enough we're getting a new green arrow series that was they they ran some tests on that and people were like i want to read more about that okay great so i mean that's the, you're seeing some smart stuff happen there now is it sustainable who knows blah 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 see that has think, me that has me wondering who's making those decisions because jim lee just gets promoted to president of dc comics in addition to being the publisher and the chief creative officer and it's funny to see the reaction to that because people are like oh okay jim lee's now the president now maybe he'll fix things like like everything's at dc has been broken and and other response has been, he's been in charge of the creative all of this time. What do you think he's going to fix? That I mean, he's been there. He's been part of whatever perceived problems there are at DC Comics. He's been right in the thick of it. So him getting promoted to president, I don't think it's going to make very much of a difference. I think there's well, potential in this dawn of DC thing that's coming in, in September that maybe there's a little bit of a reset button. Okay, we need to get back to doing these kind of stories that people like. But, you know, everything is... Big flash of lightning here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah, we're getting getting some yeah. rumbles here over in the... off in the distance. I yeah. Hopefully you guys... I don't, I'm sure you guys can't hear. So, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, okay, it, maybe there's potential, but, you know, I'm... We'll see. I mean, like I said, I'm 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 enjoying a lot of what DC is putting out right now. Now, um, and I'm this 
some of the stuff I'm seeing with the dawn of DC, which has actually already started. Oh, has it? Okay, I, yeah, yeah, I saw is, September is, on some things, and I figured well, that was I mean, a, the beginning of it. But there's a there's a there's layers to all of this, right? right. And so I mean, they've they've you know they've one of the Superman titles is basically it's the Superman family. It's this connected group of you know the characters who fit into this. So you've got everything from Power Girl to to two with two different Superboys. Uh, three different Superboys. Yeah. Um, well, two Superboys and 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 the Connor Kent, um, um, or John Kent Superman. And so you've got this whole family thing, right? And, and which is kind of cool, especially if you're if you're someone who's gone back and read comics that were there before I was born. We talk about how old we are sometimes, but some of the stuff that I've read is the stuff from my dad's collection, yeah. which was Superman family stuff. Um, so I mean, I've got a few some, of those. There's some cool stuff going on in there, and and again, DC continues to be. Uh, if you look into the stuff that's more geared towards uh, the horror side of things, uh, they continue to do a really fantastic job with that stuff. But uh, which even in, even in the new Fifty Two, they were still doing good horror comics, hmm. um, which was it's like, why didn't you guys just get those people in charge of the other stuff? Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 curious to see where we're going to be. Um, at the end of this year, beginning of next year, where this all of this is going to sit, we're half, we're we're all not not quite halfway through this year, but by the end of 2023, the landscape for the DC film and television, you know, is going to be completely different. Yeah. And, well, and and not only that, but you know, Marvel just keeps limping, and you know. Well, the, but I mean. Guardians of the Galaxy isn't limping. Well, I it's first weekend. We'll have to see what the week to week drop is going to be. I think it's going to have legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an excellent movie. Uh, I, I if you're a fan of the Guardians films, it's a great ending. Don't I don't if you've got really young kids. Yeah, I wouldn't take them yet. It's dark. It's there's some darkness in this film that is really pretty dark. It's emotionally powerful at places, but it could frighten small children. Um, and and that's you know, there have, I have seen more than one argument that this is not a PG thirteen movie. I would say it is, but it's got some you know some dark dark passages to it but it's i think it's a well crafted well made film and it tells the end of this story yeah. well um and i think financially it's not going to be a problem well him. again that's one of those films where it's like it's like the flash you know it's the last one it's it's james gunn's last marvel movie it's the last guardians of the galaxy movie at least for now, the perception is. Oh, but the thing and, is, is that here it's the end of the story. It's right. not just right now; these films are over. But it's a, but it's a, it's a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. If you know, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch all three. Uh, I'm gonna see all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because yes, it comes to an end. The end, you know, the arc is complete. Now I can leave the the MCU. I I don't have any interest in any of these movies coming out for Phase Five. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because it's the third one, and now I'm done. And there's no incentive, like with The Flash, like with Aquaman, there's no incentive to go and watch that movie 
maybe pass the first time because there's nothing coming after it. Maybe. And I think again, but I get, I think again, we're going to run into the situation here where we're looking at how much, what does superhero fatigue really mean for general audiences as opposed to, again, to the folks who are in this, yeah, who are in this, this field the way that a lot of us are, but for general audiences, because again, even when you look at some of these things where, you know, you, however you, however you feel about, um, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or or Ant-Man or any of these things, you know, they're s- still drawing people into Sam. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, how we have talked about the fact that superhero fatigue should have set in a long time ago anyway. So the every time I hear like, oh, oh, Marvel is losing steam. It's like, well, it's about time. I mean, no, no offense. No, I mean, right. even, no yeah, we're well past the point where it should have. The expectation to... here, yeah, it's yeah. just. I mean, I'm. Hey, I'm finding I'm finding things to enjoy in in most of these movies, right? And yeah. and I've enjoyed most of the Marvel TV shows because they've entertained me in this way or that way, and that's fine. But I'm not when the superhero, and I'm looking forward to J- what James Gunn does with the DC films and TV. But I'm also not so I, I i love superhero stories i'm a comic collector i read books about these characters i do mm-hmm. you know yeah. but you know what when when the superhero bubble bursts for film and tv something else is going to replace it that's how it works i think the western is going to make a comeback i don't think so <clears throat> well i mean yellowstone 1923 uh, what's the other one? Uh, the uh, 1880, what, whatever the other Yellowstone prequel is. I mean, you got three westerns on, I don't, on Paramount Plus I don't, already. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see a domination. Maybe not a uh, domination, but I do think it'll genre. make a comeback. You know, I, I, and I have no problem with there being more western f- yeah. stories, certainly. But I think that this whole thing that we've had with like superhero films being the dominant, yeah, thing, like westerns used to be. Like the crime thriller used to be, like the you know, like the romantic comedy used to be. These things or musicals, um, the 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 field being dominated by any one genre. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim's crystal ball prediction based on nothing than gut, other than gut feeling. So you know, discount this, just discount it. um, Is post superheroes. We're not going to have that kind of domination for a while. I yeah, think it's going to be I, a much more I think, uh, pocket. I think you're going to get more because we're there is a rumor. And bags of salt, however many you want to have. There is a rumor that Bob Iger, besides having a face-to-face with Kathleen Kennedy, also had a face-to-face with Kevin Feige. And the 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 word is that that Iger told Feige, from moving forward, your movies are going to have 150 million dollar budgets. He's he's capping it, and that's kind of in line with what we have talked about before, where Hollywood needs to make smaller, less expensive pictures in order mm-hmm. to sure. tweak the margin, uh, the profit margin on how they do in the box office, and not make three and four hour movies make make an hour and a half two hour movies so you could screen more times 
And Paul and I were talking about it, and he does it does point out if you go back and look in the days of you know the 30s and 40s, there were three hour movies that had intermissions and all of that. But sure. the lands the landscape has changed over all that time. And if you're going to go in and and this is going to be how you make your money, studio, whatever then you need to screen the movie as many times as you can with it, especially if you're going to lock yourself into that 45-day window so we can get into streaming, which right, yeah. is still dumb. But if that's what you're going to do, then okay, then make your movie an hour and a half and not three hours, and you can run it twice as many times and sell twice as many tickets, quote-unquote, and maybe you make your money back. In other in other sense of the things you got to market the film you got to you got to do stuff to generate buzz um the hunger games prequel that's coming out you know the ballad of songbirds and snakes we got a trailer we got a poster we got some cast and we reported on saturday uh lionsgate is doing a new summer book club right for the hunger games and they've got four dates specific and and it's going to be and i don't know what this is going to involve because there's no site there's no information on it yet but it's basically going to be i guess kind of a read-along mm. you know here's a date here it, we'll read the first book and here's the date we'll read the second book and we'll read the third book and now we'll read the prequel which i don't think has been out for very long if it's even out yet i'm not sure and all of that for the summer to get ready for the movie that's coming out in november Sure. Marketing. Look at that. Hey, right. you know, let's generate some interest. And, you know, stuff like that, I think, is smart on the part of Lionsgate. To, also, you know, not terribly expensive to do. Right. Because the people who have read the books, the people who own the books, mm -hmm. probably will read them again. You know, I, hey, yeah, I haven't read this in a while. I'll pick it up and I'll read it again. Mm -hmm. And... It also gives them a way to sit there and say, hey, I'm reading this book. Have you read it? Here, here, take take this copy and, and read it with me. Or you know, So there's there's activity there that Lionsgate won, yes, you're right, doesn't have to pay for, outside of let's throw some stuff up on social media and everybody send us your pictures of your reading group and show us, right. show mm -hmm. us which copy, which edition of The Hunger Games do you have in your library? And all of that generates interest and buzz and, and activity up until the point where the new movie comes out. Mm -hmm. in, in the meantime, in the midst of all of that, they'll post, you know, character photos and behind-the-scene pictures. They'll do some interviews, and then we'll get another trailer probably about August, you know, as the summer wraps up. We're going back to school. And then you've got the, um, uh, the boys spinoff gen v right yeah which is set at a college and they're going to premiere it in the fall which is the beginning of the school year i was like hang mm -hmm. on hang on when did hollywood start actually thinking about marketing well, because okay, there have been some things here i'm thinking some maybe there's somebody new in town that kind of shook everybody up and went look they think. they finally got it it's finally broken through that make you know everybody having their own personal streaming service 
is not necessarily the future of entertainment. Right. And consequently, you've got to deal with the fact that, you know, you're every single one of these people failed to grasp that exponential growth is not sustainable. You know, and it's kind of stunning how it's kind of stunning how so every everybody involved pick pick a platform. Mm -hmm. It's it's Warner Brothers. It's Disney. It's Netflix. It's you know pick, pick whatever it is. It's like they all had this idea that there was going to continue to be new subscribers. Yeah, and there's only so many people on the planet, folks. Well, eventually you're gonna max out. And I think. And I could be remembering this wrong, but I think David Zaslav, Warner Brothers Discovery, was the first one to really stick a pin in that balloon and say, we have to make money first. Because he was talking about, you know, stuff. He's like, we're not going to be spending a bunch of money on streaming. We're not going to be putting everything that we've got on our own streaming service. Because you're right, you don't make any money that way. And he got pilloried for it because you know Zazlav the butcher and all of that but he's right you have to diversify where your distribution goes because there are different opportunities it's like we talked about here a while back you have your theatrical run back in the day you had the theatrical mm -hmm. run and then you had cable premium cable mm -hmm. and then regular cable and then mm -hmm. network television mm -hmm. and then home video Mm -hmm. And then, oh yeah, this, the process was dragged out much yeah. further. But but we're also at the point where cable is essentially dead. I mean, it's still yeah. it's still around, but the number of people who have cut remember remember when it's like we're going to cut the cord, and the cable company said whatever. Yeah, the, the sheer number of people who have cut the cord is basically decimated the cable industry. Um, and it is something that while it exists, and I think it's still making money, the idea that this was going to, I mean, there was a time when cable was everything. Sure. Well, and the now that, getting that is, that is done. Well, <laughs> and I don't, I don't see, I don't see the streaming services lasting as long as the cable services did because it's, uh, we're already seeing, uh, oh, we're look. already seeing what happened to the to the cable industry is already happening to streaming, and they're oh, only what sure. three or four years out. Right. Well, I so. think that the thing is is that streaming is going to continue because it's streaming, and that's how we're consuming. That's how we're getting this media in. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's replacing cable, but what it is going to be going forward is not going to be this. Is this you know? Sign up for 23 different streaming services because guess what, folks? That's cable without cable. Yeah. And I, I think I think there will be some bundling at some oh, point. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, you well, can I mean, already, you already see bundling it with, now. You know, you because uh, um, that's how well, I said that's how we have Disney Plus is because Mindy got a new uh, contract with AT&T for the phone. Sure. And. Disney Plus comes with it, and it was like, well, well okay. You're gonna, I think you're gonna see a lot of things like I like with Amazon Prime. Mm. I can, I can through my Amazon Prime, I can sit there and sign up for a bunch of other streaming services, right? Through that, so it's gonna be like you go to one place where you can sit there and pick and choose the thing you want. But I also think we're gonna see a lot more a la carte 
yeah. um, just options anyway, because that's what we've been pushing for for a couple of decades now. Right. And that's with, with the idea that streaming is just cannot be this. It's, you know, you, you will run out of people who are willing to pay for your service because again, there's only so many people around. Yeah. Well, all right. So we've got more lightning hitting here, but I, so we're going to have to wrap up pretty quick. But I, w- I do want to, I want to do hit hit this last one. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, footage was screened at CinemaCon. Mm-hmm. I have seen it because it sneaked out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen it. It's a chase. I have not. Uh, it's okay. I I don't see anything egregiously offensive in terms of you know, all the rumors were right. But you know, I mean, we'll we'll see when the movie actually comes out. But right. I'm still looking forward to it. Having watched this, and and again, you're you're getting it, you know, cell phone footage at an angle, right. so it's not it's not pristine, you know, HD, 4K, whatever. But just watching it because it's an entire chase sequence, mm-hmm. and I there's. There's something about it, and I've been trying to put my finger on what it is, but there's something just a little off about it. And I'm not sure. I want it. There's, a, there's an energy in would, Indiana would... Jones chases that doesn't feel like it's in this one. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I got that right. It's just it's one of these little things in the back of my head. I'm like, Oh. And you may and you and you may be correct that that is exactly what you're seeing. But I will tell you this: from my experience, is having watched from time to time a let's say acquired through means uh, uh-huh. versions of you know some screen some some feature film that was recorded by somebody with a camera they snuck in uh-huh. um, and because that stuff pops up and you're like I will watch this thing okay. Um, and sometimes the difference between watching that version and watching a clean, pristine version, certainly yeah, on a big I, screen. Yeah. And that's why I'm is, saying there, there may be night and day. To, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, don't know. I get I don't the, know. the, the, you know, the cell phone footage and whatnot, but I don't know. It just, there, eh, just, it just, well, there was it, just something about it that just felt but off. There's also the music doesn't sound right through that. The yeah. audio is off. I mean, all that's all those things that are parts of it. So it may be that it may be off. It may literally be that, that feeling you have may be a hundred percent correct. Yeah. But also, like I said, from my experience watching some of this stuff from, you know, it's like, wow, that is, that is, I, I, I've seen it the way it's supposed to be seen now. And I'm like, wow, I'm completely reacting to this differently. So yeah. not saying that's the case. I'm just saying. No, sure. No, I, and we, and we won't, we won't know life until it's it. there. And I'm, I'm hoping right. we get a, a preview screening for that one too. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to throw out a couple here things. The trailer for uh, a haunting in Venice is out, uh-huh. um, which is the Kenneth Branagh, um, uh, Hercule, Hercule Perot. Uh, films. It's the third. It's the third film in the series. Um, hit and miss with the. I think the first one was really really good. The second one had some Ar- Arnie Hammer issues, um, <laughs> primarily. Uh, but this looks. This is this is uh, Agatha Christie doing stipping, sticking her foot into the to the horror pond. Yeah. Um, and the trailer looks really 
like a lot of fun. And so there's some interesting stuff. The new Dune trailer, of course, which which came out looks really good. Uh, out of this. The only problem I have with the new Dune trailer is I I want to be surprised when I go see the film, but part of me feels like I'm missing something from this trailer. And I realize it's the it's the it's not the only trailer that's probably going to come out. There's yeah. but. I'm like I I think it's really good, but I also feel like it's there. I feel like they're holding back in this trailer, and that may be completely intentional. Um, but I, I'm like, I think you're I, right. I think there's there's more. I think there's more there, and and the next trailer is probably going to be mid what do you think midsummer late july early into august because yeah, it's a no, probably it's a november like release right yeah i think this is going to be one of those things where if if they go the scale of the book the second half of the book mm-hmm. and and it's going to be well, this could just be really i mean i as much as i enjoyed the first film um this could be huge, and I'm very, I'm, I'm very in. Well, I'm, Villeneuve has described it as an epic war movie, which, if you've if you've read Dune, then you know that it, yes, it is yeah. a it is an epic war film. It is an epic war story at that point. But what's interesting, and I'm very curious to see, is because he's talked about wanting to do Dune, 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 Dune Messiah. Yeah, and this is. You know, Herbert. Herbert is is deconstructing the her, the hero trope with with Dune and Dune Messiah. It's the rise of the hero. It's the fall of the hero. Mm. And so, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because it is such an interesting thing that that you don't normally see in science fiction stories, right? On the big screen. So I'm, 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 I'm part of me is super excited about this, but also I know how hard this, this story is to adapt. Um, so, so far, so far I've been pleased with what he's doing. And I'm, I'm also really curious if we're going to get to see a certain, we've, we've seen, we've seen parts of the emperors, the, have got the power players here, right? We've got the Harkonnens, we've got um, the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. We've got we've seen the Sardaukar, um, which is you know represents the emperor. We haven't seen the Spacing Guild, right? And I'm that the thing is is that you could get away with doing the rest of the the the, the second film without showing them. Yeah, but if he says epic, I want to see the Spacing Guild. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want we'll just see. give me give me give me one give me one of yeah we'll see yeah. we'll see. <laughs> All right, speaking of epic stories, I want to tell everybody that uh, I I want to encourage everyone to head over to Russ Colchimero's channel tomorrow night. I will be a guest at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking about Quantum Leap 2.0 uh, tomorrow night and. Um, I have thoughts. I have opinions. <clears throat> I have made notes. And we'll see what happens from there. It, I want to like it. 
I, for the most part, can turn my brain off and enjoy it. But there's a couple of times I was like, so yeah, we'll be talking about that tomorrow night on Russ Culture Miro's channel over on YouTube. Uh, and uh, of course, the the rest of everything that we've got here, uh, here is the lineup for the shows that we have here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Uh, Ranker Pit next Thursday. Uh, Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday. And we will have a Live from the Bunker on Thursday and then Open Line Friday. It's kind of a truncated week this week. Uh, and uh, if you want to connect with us on any of the social media platforms, that's where you can find us there. There's the list. Uh, which is also in the video notes uh, and the podcast notes. We have a Discord server. want to encourage you to connect with us over there as well. Continue the conversation. Share your thoughts. And we are headed out, uh, and we'll do this again next week. We're coming up on episode 350 very soon. So if all if any of you have suggestions for a big, grand, sweeping, epic 350th episode uh let us know send us feedback leave a comment and uh, we'll do this all again next week maybe we'll talk strikes next week all right or something we got a list we'll check it have a good night everybody stay safe bye this has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2023, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 